Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You ready? And we are back on Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Steve Vega. And guys, it's just me today. <laughs> and, um, well, a lot to digest. Uh, I, I, as I should say, we have digested already. Um, look, obviously a lot of emotions, a lot of things that um, we were able to discuss based off the Tennessee game. But, you know, a lot of positives, right? And how good is it to know that the pieces are still there. Everything the Bills need to keep progressing is still there. Uh, just feels like there's just some kind of ironing that's going to really be, I think it's going to be a coaching thing. Um, and what a <laughs> what better game to get back on the right trend than, uh, uh, you know, Josh Allen's kids, right? Um, the Dolphins over and over and over again have shown the NFL that they are incompetent. And yeah, we can always say, like we they used to say about the Bills, oh, the Bills are just a couple of pieces away. The Bills are this this many. No, the Bills before the Sean McDermott era were abysmal. That's what the Miami Dolphins are now. They're so desperate that they're going for Deshaun Watson. Long gone are the days, right, when your first round pick mattered. Now they're just trading them left and right. They don't care. And, you know, I think it's very interesting to, you know, point out that every single, well, I think every, every single one so far that the Bills have drafted, um, you know, in the first round, have they've, they've progressed. You know, and look, you're going to have different players at different types of progressions, right? And you got to kind of have a plan for them. Not everyone you draft in the first round, based off of who's left, is going to become a superstar, and I thought it was a very interesting conversation to see kind of sprout up, um, not just with the Buffalo Bills players, but just in general in the NFL. There's so many players in the NFL that, you know, they're drafted in the first round and you're expecting them to just, you know, you're hitting gold. Like this guy is going to develop fast. He's going to fit in the NFL. Um, when in, in all actuality, it, it really doesn't transpire exactly how you wish. Uh, little did anyone know that Josh Allen had superstar DNA. If you're going to ask me, I thought, Ed Oliver was going to be a superstar coming out of the first round. I was terrified for anyone else in our division to get him. Let alone Kansas City, right? Any of these other teams that you already felt like they they had their mojo, they had their DNA, what worked. And we're sitting here with a Bills team that I think, yeah, they're, they're figuring out their DNA. It's starting to come together. But look, let's just be real. There are literally two superstars, superstars. There are stars, but there are two superstars on the Bills roster right now. 
Those two are Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. We know that. There's different tiers. And this rest of this season, this whole situation now, is an opportunity for development, is an opportunity to see what's really in the bag and really try to let it play out. Because I think when you're going against teams like Kansas City, Tennessee, um, you know, Tampa, obviously, this year, and even Pittsburgh earlier in the year, you're really hoping um, that something shoots out out of these guys that you invested so high in. But it's nice when you have a great team and, uh, you know, you're obviously going against teams that are one in six and you're able to basically give them a lot more playing time and, and you know, really see what they got. And I, I think right now, because of the Super Bowl window, it's kind of convoluting, uh, you know, the vision of, what, where the bills can be, right? Um, and, and I guess there's no measuring stick. Like we can't measure the bills to another team in the NFL. Like maybe the Los Angeles, you know, chargers, but, um, as far as the situation with how the players are, um, you know, who we have, you know, what position they're playing, it's really hard, and and this is a great opportunity. This 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 game coming up is a great opportunity to see what these young guys can do. I want to see stuff out of Gregory Rousseau. I want to see Boogie Basham, and you know what? Let's try to figure out in the next couple of games. Look, look I know we got eleven guys on the rotation on the defensive line, but for the love of God, can we please just get a starting four? Can we rely on a guy? It's not Jerry Hughes. It's not Mario Addison. So who is it? Is it Gregory Rousseau on the outside now? If that is the vision, you need to literally play this guy 80 to 90% of the snaps in this next coming game. Because he needs the experience. He's shown out, obviously, in that Chiefs game, but he got exposed in the Tennessee game. And that's okay, right? You would have preferred he got exposed in the game against Miami. But, you know, these are the growing pains. And I would be really let down if we go into this Miami game and Rousseau's snaps kind of dwindle. Like, yeah, I understand the whole thing about the process and you gotta you gotta earn your keep and all this, all this jazz, but you know, if he's gonna be the guy of the future and we drafted him in the first round, let's see what he's got. Let him get his playtime in. I think his upside is tremendous. I think Boogie Basham's upside is tremendous. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see maybe an Ed Oliver, Star Latulale, Boogie Basham, and Greg Rousseau starting lineup. Like, why not? It's like in the secondary, you know what you're getting out of your secondary. You know what you're getting out of your safeties. That's why you're not seeing Jaquan Johnson get any snaps over Jordan Poyer. That's why you are seeing Dane Jackson get barely any playing time over Levi, over Levi Wallace. This is the bugaboo. Like, this is the Achilles heel of the Buffalo Bills. And we're sitting here with everything else, and it, it, everything else works. The Bills' offense, given <laughs> we lost the Tennessee Titans, the Bills' offense is still humming in a loss. Yes, that's why they're still in the top three in the power rankings. 
Because once the Buffalo Bills fix this defensive line issue of getting pressure with four or five, I don't know what they're going to have to do. But for the love of God, they got to figure this out. And you got you to, you got a huge stretch of very easy games that are very winnable, obviously, that you can knock this out and figure out how you can get this done. So you got Miami, Jacksonville, New York, New Jersey, right? You're seven and two. Then you're facing the Colts. Then you're facing the Saints. Then you got the Patriots. Then you got the Bucks. So right after this three-game stretch, we got four games that are going to be slobber knockers. And then you have the Panthers, the Patriots, again, obviously, and you got the Falcons and the Jets at the end. So the Bills, are they're, they're going to get tested. But before they get tested, they got to figure this out. You got three games with teams that are literally in rebuilding mode, as much as Tua doesn't want to admit it, they're getting rid of him. One way or another, Tua's gone. I called it before the before the trade deadline. May get done, may not, but um, Miami doesn't want him. You got Herbert the pervert down in Jacksonville. You know, he has a mess of a team down there. And, uh, you know, God, God bless Robert Sala. I love that guy. Um... You know, I wish he was on the Bills staff. I think he's such a cool coach. Um, but, you know, he's having a tough time down down in New Jersey with the whole situation on Zach Wilson getting injured. Uh, call it a late hit, call it whatever you want. That kid's got to learn how to get rid of that football faster and uh, take less chance on getting hit the way he was getting hit. So the Jets got a lot of issues. And, um, you know, obviously we don't look, we, we don't want to look back. You know, We don't want to look past, the, you know, the Dolphins. But the reality of the situation is, the Dolphins are a complete mess from top to bottom. And I say that because you can have all the talent in the world. But if you have a leader that doesn't believe, if you have a captain that doesn't believe in his lieutenant, it's going to start to dwindle your team's morale and confidence. Right now, I guarantee you, and based off of some of the reports that... uh is out there right now. Marcel Louis Jack, I believe, put something out as, uh, as well about Tua. It looks like he lost the locker room. This guy's playing for his career right now. And, you know, they got talent. They can make plays. But as far as finishing games, that's where morale kicks in. That's where the Bills have a lot of teams beat right now. Some teams are very talented. Some teams have tremendous upside. But if the morale isn't there, if you don't have a leader, if you don't have leadership in an organization and in your team that can help you grind out those close wins, you're, you're going to have a really long season. In my opinion, I think that's one of the reasons Diggs wanted out of Minnesota. I believe he didn't think Kirk Cousins was a good leader. He's a stronger leader. He needed someone, you know, who can make him get in place. And, you know, you get a guy like, you know, Josh Allen that he, he walks the talk, right? He gets to Buffalo. This is a kid that doesn't have a lot in his resume. And it's a blank slate for Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs has no choice but to get in line. Why? Because Josh Allen lights up the field the minute he gets a playmaker. 
but he also, he has the it factor when it comes down to leading a football team, leading a group of grown-ass men that can break people in half. That's a hard job to do, and that's not something Tua can do. I'm sorry, I called it a long time ago. The kid has no zip in his arm. Uh, Yeah, he's had a few games where I think based off of just the coaching plans on the other side, I guess they don't want to attack him. But, dude, the minute you blitz this guy, that ball's going left ways, and you're going to break his ankles. You're going to break his ribs. I mean, you're going to break his shoulders. Like, he's a fragile dude. At best, I said it before, he's a left-handed Mariota. And, um, you know, here, here here the Dolphins are sitting at one and six. What now? You're the 29th ranked offense. You're the 31st ranked defense. Somehow you're putting up points. You can't close anything out. That organization is a mess. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me, right? It just, it goes to show you that running a football team is a very, very, intricate job and location. I've said this before. Doesn't mean jack squat. Like when you really look at the great teams right now and the teams that are on the rise for crying out loud, Cincinnati destroyed Baltimore. What does that show you? They figured it out. They figured out their process. They figured out their culture and it starts and ends with Joe. It starts and ends with Joe Burrow, right? You find the quarterback, but you need the integrity factor. You need the the strong leadership factor because from your coach, your GM, and your quarterback, from that tree grows the fruit. They've tried everything. They brought in Waddle, a weapon that they believe is going to help Tua excel, or we're going to find out against Buffalo. Again, if, if that hit was just a fluke or if it was, you know, that, that Tua is just literally not the answer. Well, the report's out there. I mean, it's it's out in the open. All, all, the, all the reporters in Miami know. Everyone in Miami wants him out. They don't, they don't care how many sexual assault uh, charges Deshaun Watson has. They'll take him. But now <laughs> everything's set in motion, but they can't finish the trade because the investigation and everything that uh, is getting handled is not done yet. So Miami is stuck with Tua in an awkward situation, and they are about to get absolutely dismantled in every way, shape, and form against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. If they think they're going to get in there and have any form of success, it's because Sean McDermott is going to pull Josh Allen and pull the starters in the second half. This team's going to get mollywopped, and they deserve it. You don't draft a kid in the top 10 and treat him like he's a sixth-round pick. The ethics are gone in the NFL. We saw the, the game, obviously, with the Rams and the Lions and how, you know, it, it just became... You just see the NFL is an ugly business. And we're starting to see that evaluations of quarterbacks are really, really intricate and hard and a lot of the time 
teams are drafting a guy in the first round and still setting themselves back five to 10 years. Again, they're just trying to stay relevant. I want you to go back in time with me from, uh, let's say, around 2005 to 2012. Let's give that time frame, right? Tom Brady comes off a loss. And maybe it was just coincidence, right? No. It, it, every time Tom Brady came off a heartbreaking loss in the regular season, so happened, whether if it was coming off a bye week or not, he was facing the Buffalo Bills next. And the Buffalo Bills would get the spankings of their franchise's life. That is what's happening historically between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins since Josh Allen has become quarterback. This is a team that Josh Allen, I know, circles on his calendar, puts golden star stickers all around because he knows no matter how tough of a week he had before, whether he wins or loses, he has a chance to feel like daddy again. And this is what uh, we're used to. And... You know what? The Dolphins deserve it. This week, I, I'll be honest with you, had it not hit the news with Deshaun Watson, I feel so bad about the, the way they've handled everything. The Dolphins deserve to get the absolute crap beat out of them when they go to Buffalo this weekend. They deserve it um, because they need a wake-up call from top to bottom. You have a football team in one of the greatest, coolest cities in the entire nation and you can't find another quarterback. Better yet, you don't have the patience to find a better quarterback. Oh, look at this. The guy that you guys got rid of beat the Bills. Granted, he had Derrick Henry. He beat the Bills. He beat the Bills twice in the last two, in the last two seasons. You deserve this, Miami. So, I, I want to look at the rest of the season because, you know, I, I really don't, I, I don't know, I, I kind of just have a really big distaste for the Dolphins. I, ho I hope every single time we face them, we destroy them. Whereas, you know, I kind of have a difference in opinion, um, you know, with the Jets, I feel like, you know, they're, they're very committed to Zach Wilson. I think that in time, we may see, I think they're going to be better than, my, than the Miami Dolphins. Um, in time, it's going to take time for Robert Saleh uh, to figure it out. But, you know, the, the thing is, Miami doesn't really have an excuse, right? I want to move on from them, but real quick, like, if you're Brian Flores and your team is one and six, something's wrong. And I, I don't know if it's a Tua problem. I think it's a coaching problem. It's a desperation problem. And, you know, they, they have so many holes in their team. You can't make up that your team is 29th ranked offense and 31st ranked defense. You can't make that up. Your team's giving up. Your coach is giving up. You might as well press the reset button if you're in Miami and just see what happens. You have a great city. You have all the amenities in the world, I guess, and you can't figure it out. I used to go to Miami a lot. I enjoyed it. You know, the beaches, the restaurants, hanging out out there, shopping out there. Um, I went to a game out there. 
It was a good time. It was a fun time. And it just, it never made sense to me. I lived in Florida for so long that the Dolphins were basically, still are, in the same boat that the Bills got out of, right, um, for so many years. And they've thrived off of, see, I'm not moving off the Dolphins here. I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep ranting about this. It, and it, and it's, and it's wild to think that their fan base continues to believe after they have these random, just they beat Brady once in a season, they have a 10 and six season, they go into the wild card and lose, um, you know, type seasons, just very random, like spontaneous dolphins are good. And then they're terrible the next season again. And they're irrelevant, uh, you know, type team, like the bills have either been terrible or very good. <laughs> they either make the playoffs or they don't, right? And um, so we, we don't know what it feels like uh, to be a Miami Dolphin fan. But one thing I can tell you is that they have everything in place just like LA to make something happen. And I don't know how this team's missing the mark. How hard is it to find a Sean McVay? A Cliff Kingsbury. Like, I feel like these guys are everywhere. And then they pull a defensive coach out of New England. And the defense starts to play well. But then you have a team in your division that exploits you. <laughs> and uh, the NFL starts to take notice. And now you're one and six. So, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's like, yes, now we need to focus on beating the Buffalo Bills. Well, before you beat the Buffalo Bills, you need to become the best version of yourself. That means figuring out how to utilize Tua, how to develop Tua, get the right quarterback coach for Tua, get the right weapons for Tua, because he is your first round QB. Deshaun Watson is not on your team. And I guarantee you, ever since Deshaun Watson hit the market in some way, shape, and form, ever since, you know, things started to really turn down in Houston, and then he obviously definitely requested the trade and whatnot. Miami was salivating because they had a chance to move on from Tua and then everything kind of hit the fan with the whole situation of all the, all the assault things. But let, let me put it to you this way real quick. Do you like your steak cooked on a grill, medium rare, you know, thoroughly cooked all the way through, seasoned, and then you fillet it you don't even need A1 steak sauce. You just got garlic and salt. and you just It's just garlic and SMP, baby. If your steak tastes good like that, you don't need to add much at all. You don't microwave steak, Miami. Yes, I am comparing, as Bruce probably would, uh, you know, with Nate Geary on this channel. Look, a quarterback... If he's a great quarterback, if he's 100% USDA approved, you know, you're going to see good out of him. But it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, how much, or excuse me, how high you picked him or how low you picked him. At the end of the day, proof is in the pudding, right? Now we're talking about pudding. Look, <laughs> the, the Bills are where they are right now in comparison to Miami is literally because they are willing to let their players get seasoned. And this next three-game stretch 
is a chance to get all, all the playing time these young guys need before we really go on this next four-game stretch into the next couple of games at the end of the season. Like, the, the Bills can definitely lose against the Colts if they do not figure out how to pressure Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz fills the gap of Phillip Rivers just fine in Indianapolis. All Indianapolis is missing right now is T.Y. Hilton, which, dun-dun-dun, <laughs> it looks like he's going to be willing, uh, he's going to be able and willing to play against the Titans. So that's huge because right around the corner is the Bills game, and Pittman was fingertips away from putting the Bills away in the playoffs, but the Bills played just enough right on defense to disrupt him, um, and that was when Phillip Rivers was quarterback, right? Carson Wentz, a little bit more dynamic. You know, he's back with Frank Reich. Frank Reich knows how to use him, plays to his strengths. They got a good running game. They got a stellar defense. Um, I'm not sleeping on Indianapolis one bit. The way they're looking, the way they're going, uh, they can they can be, if they beat the Titans, which I think it's very possible with T.Y. Hilton, they do. And it's a division game, so they have a lot more tape and a lot more experience against Tennessee on how to stop Derrick Henry. Um, you know, the AFC is going to look a lot more different and a lot more murky in the water, so to speak. So this three-game stretch for the Bills is monumental to get ahead. And then when they face Indianapolis, if any, let's let's hypothetically say Indianapolis beats the Titans, the Bills are back on top, for sure. So, um, you know, a lot of storylines going into the rest of the season. For me, I think it's all falling on this defensive line, their experience, the opportunities, and obviously, let's applaud the number one defense, pass defense in the NFL you know, with the Buffalo Bills, right? Top ranked above Carolina in second, Arizona in third. Unbelievable. And plenty of credit to Jordan Poyer, who I hope really makes the Pro Bowl this year. Um, he's been a stellar and just absolute fantastic safety. You know, leader on and off the field, and um, you're starting to see it really pay dividends. And I wish these guys got more of a shine, more of recognition. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the year, everyone can praise them how they want. But, uh, you know, in Buffalo and in the division, and more importantly, in the conference, I feel, uh, you know, there's obviously the NFC is kind of just, there's so many stars taken over on that side where, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey and you got Buda Baker and all that. Like, these guys are getting overlooked in Buffalo. Um, but you know, they're, they're, they're just as good, if not at times better. And, um, you saw it on the play against Tannehill last week where he was able to basically, you know, bait Tannehill into an interception and, you know, it's situations like that, that really show how fantastic of a player you have that doesn't, those opportunities don't just fall in your lap. Typically they don't. Um, you're playing really well. The pass defense deserves a, a big round of applause, and that's one of the reasons I think we're going to give Tua Tagovailoa a big, uh, uh, you know, a big molly whopping this weekend. Um, the, the defense, the pass defense, is not slowed down. They're going to try to air it out. Go ahead, you know, shoot your shot. You're not going to be able to run the football against us. You've already tried that, um, and you know this kid doesn't have enough 
you know, power in his arm to really work that uh, RPO enough. So, you know, what's going to happen in the AFC, I think, is very simple. I think that the AFC West, the AFC North, they're going to beat they're going to beat the living hell out of each other. And by the end of the season the Buffalo Bills are going to win the number 1 seed. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. So, the only way the Bills lose that number 1 seed is if the Titans go undefeated, which at the trek that the injuries are going for them and uh, at how uh, you know Indianapolis is on the rise, um, you know, I, I don't really see them going undefeated the rest of the year. It's possible. I mean, if Derrick Henry, you know, she's, I mean, plays like Jim Brown for the rest of the season, but, uh, you know, it, it's all going to come down to situational football. And, you know, the, the, the defenses are a lot more stocky and a lot better this year. Um, better this year, better in this era, as far as getting sideline to sideline. So, um, those stretch plays and, and those holds, they're going to start catching up to him. Um, you know, obviously we can talk more, we can talk more about that in another time, but you know, I want to, I don't really want to get into the Titans thing. I'm just trying to talk about what the bills have going on for him. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel like this defense is absolutely fantastic. You know, and, and here's the thing. I was really hoping, uh, that Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds would have had a better game against Tennessee and got more recognition going into this game. Uh, you know, yes, Tremaine Edmonds did well. Uh, you know, some of those plays too were it was second contact, so he was able to really stop Henry on the second contact, which was great. Uh, but you know, it, I, I I really was upset um, at the effort that I got out of uh, you know Matt Milano in that game. I thought that you know, yes, he was coming off an injury, but you start him, um, and then you play a, you know a, a four man front, obviously, and you got all three linebackers in. Um, at times just to stop and you know you don't you don't see him pop off the screen so I don't know what's up with that the linebacking core maybe guys has to figure it out to help out the defensive line but um you know going into these next couple of games it's an opportunity for them to find their mojo back I think it's really hard to you know come off a two-game stretch against two of the best teams in the AFC um, who are Super Bowl contenders let's be real Um, and um, you know now what we're feeling is a sense of put up or shut up time for the Buffalo Bills. Um, my God, if they lay an egg in one of these three games, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to talk about anything next week if they lose this game, which, you know, uh, they're over, under, I think right now they're negative uh, 14. So, you know, uh, two touchdowns and, and some change right there. So uh, I think it's gone higher now. But the reality of the situation with the Bills is the only way they lose that number one seed is if they shoot themselves in the foot. So, you know... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what happens as the season goes on. But, you know, when you're staying on defense and pass defense, higher than the Arizona Cardinals who are undefeated, that says a lot. That says a whole lot. You know, I want to talk about the the running game real quick um, to switch it up here. So, look, I think the Bills deserve a lot more credit this year as far as running the football. I feel like they've tried. They're definitely in the top half of teams as far as attempts go. Um, you got them right now sitting in six games at 179 attempts for 784 yards on the ground. You know, they're trying and they're averaging 4.4 yards a carry. So, you know, if if I'm the Bills, I just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, it's really tough to look past, um, you know, a division opponent. But, you know, the reality of the situation is this is a game that you're going to be able to really work on your pass rush, work on your, obviously, your, your run defense needs to be there this week. Uh, you know, that's something that Miami's going to try to exploit with maybe Gaskins or, um, you know, one of the other backs. But, um, you know, as far as 
you, you know what the Bills can do with this running game, I, I think there's still so much more potential um, at hand. And I, I don't think for one second you run out on Zach Moss and, um, you know, try to, uh, you know, play outside of his element. Um, and, and neither do you do the same, do you do the same with the, De- you know, Devin Singletary, uh, something has to start clicking on the offensive line uh, you know, we got an injury with Spencer Brown, so we'll see how Cody Ford maybe fits in there, which is going to be interesting. Everyone hates him now, but, um, you know, I, it, it's, it's tough. You know, I remember talking to Matt Perino, uh, you know, last season about this whole situation with the running game and, you know, maybe it being kind of a culture shock or a, a, a play calling shock, if you will, to, to the young guy in Devin Singletary, and then you'll bring in Zach Moss, him getting injured, and you basically have virtually no run game going into the postseason uh, with just one back. So, you know, it, it, it it's going to be interesting to see how they start to blend, you know, the running game together. But how much more creative can you get with, you know, do you bring, an, you know, what do you do? Do you start running a, you know, a crazy, you know, pistol, uh, you know, three back situation along with Josh Allen in the backfield, you know, the the same way that we got, uh, you know, the Baltimore Ravens doing, I just don't think that's the bill's identity. I think, uh, you know, what's going to have to happen is just good sound technique and getting the football, you know, four or five yards on a carry. And, you know, that really helping out your offense. And I feel like that's something that the bills can do very effectively. You know, we wouldn't be saying, you know, absolutely anything about the bills doing terrible. Uh, you know, or not, I wouldn't even say terrible about doing anything bad. Had they won this game against Tennessee, I think, you know, even if they would have won it by, you know, three points or, you know, by, by four or five points, what have you, I think at the end of the day, we'd be sitting here all hunky dory being like, oh, the Bills are the best team, best team in the NFL. Now we got to nitpick them. Look, I don't think there's a lot to nitpick here. I think all it is is a good team, uh, literally and figuratively slipped up, right? You, um, you know, he hits, he hits the turf, game's over. So how much you want to blame them on the offensive line? You know, we got into that, but, you know, last week. But, you know, the reality of what has to happen here is consistency, especially against your division. Just because you lost against Tennessee, uh, you know, by three points and you think you're still a top dog in the AFC doesn't mean you let your guard down, which I don't foresee them doing that. Um, and I don't really believe that Sean McDermott's the kind of guy who does that either. Um, you know, this is a different Bills team. They're built really well. Uh, they're built to last the whole entire season, be competitive in every single game, uh, especially against great opponents. So, um, you know, it's it's going to really rely heavily on fixing. Uh, well, I wouldn't say fixing. I would just say becoming more effective in the running game and in the pass rush. I think they have, they've had a lot of great moments. I think against Tennessee, uh, they just had a great game plan, uh, you know, with Ryan Tannehill. And I mean, you're going to rush, you know, kind of, hesitant if you got a guy that's running around like OJ Simpson back there and knocking people over and, you know, getting holding calls, you're not going to know what the hell to do on the defensive line. So into Rousseau's defense and the defensive lines, uh, you know, defense, that's something that, you know, yeah, I think it does kind of take your mojo away. You start thinking you're not doing something right. You know, what's happening with our defense? Are we playing together? Um, but, um, you know, as, as far as where the bills go to from here, you take care of your division you destroy the next three teams. You give them no breathing room to think they're anywhere close to the tiny, to the kind of team you are. And then you face Indianapolis and you break, you know, Carson Wentz's spirit and you convincingly beat the Colts. Uh, you know, yeah, they score a couple of touchdowns. You score way more than them and you beat them to like a bloody, you know, ble- beat them into a bloody pulp. So you got to do that against that team. Um, will it happen? I think it's a possibility if the Bills can get streaking again. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about Tommy Sweeney, right? This guy's basically got absolutely no touches. He has um, <laughs> what feels like, um, 
you know, no experience with this offense, uh, you know, and they got a lot of confidence in him. But you just kind of get the notion, especially after hearing those press conferences between Josh Allen and uh, Stephon Diggs and whatnot, it looks like they're they're just they're literally going to go five wide every single drive and, you know, maybe do an inside zone run with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss whenever they feel like it. But there ain't no way in hell they're letting this guy catch the football in the, you know, out in the outfield, man. This guy is probably going to be one of those decoys, you know, in the run game. Maybe he hits the flat and they throw him to the flat. Um, but, you know, Josh Allen, you know, Captain Checkdown, so I don't see Tommy Sweeney doing much. Um, I really wish, you know, especially in a game against, you know, in the division that Zach, you know, Dawson Knox was out, you know, would be out there. But, you know, it's going to be one of those things where he's going to have to, you know, heal up, hopefully come back stronger, come back smarter. I, You know, looking at the play that might have uh, injured him as he fell to the ground was kind of kind of weird. Um, I don't know if it could happen to everyone like that. Maybe it was the angle that his hand came down in, just kind of gave that fracture. But, uh, you know, I think it's kind of a big deal if you're a pass-catching tight end, you know, coming back into the fold. Hopefully you're just as effective um, as you were. So, uh, you know, I, I say we win that game against Tennessee had Dawson Knox been in there. Um, you know, speaking of tight ends as well, uh, with you know, in regards to Tommy Sweeney on the other side, uh, you know, he's going to be, you know, it's going to be him and Gusecki, right? Who's going to who's going to shine more? You damn right they're going to be throwing this football to Gusecki as much as they can uh cuz he's probably the only guy that can open up their offense. I think everyone else gets locked down by this defense. I think uh Waddle maybe gets a, you know, a catch here and there, but you know at the end of the day, uh this is going to come down to how much confidence Tua is going to have actually throwing that football against the Bills. So, it's interesting because, you know, the Dolphins have a smaller uh, window, whereas I think uh, to face the Bills, as as far as you know, you're looking at last season, and they kind of had to wait until play to and they had to wait until the end of the season to play them, and then you know they get destroyed as a ten and six team in Buffalo. So uh, a small window, and now Tua has absolutely no excuse. You're coming off a four touchdown game with two interceptions, like you got to you got to trust the big guy against um you know the secondary of the Buffalo Bills. So we'll see how they try to match them up. You're going to ask me if I think Gusecki's going to do well? Hell no, because Matt Milano's going to be on the field. And anytime Matt Milano's on the field and so is Gusecki, Gusecki's nowhere to be found. He's back on the sideline doing jack shit. So I think that the the Miami Dolphins, again, are super outmatched. I do want to try to touch base on a, a lot of these players that are, you know, are kind of headlines going into this game. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, what I think the Bills can do is, you know, Create opportunities for Tommy Sweeney, right? Uh, th- what I believe is going to happen is they're probably not going to use him much. But how do you create opportunities for Tommy Sweeney? Well, I, wh- when when was the last time, ladies and gentlemen, we've seen a tight end screen? I love tight end screens. I think they're so goofy. They're so fun. Everyone's running all over the place, and you see a tight end run down the field for 30, 40 yards, maybe a touchdown. Um, I think it's the only thing that's made Travis Kelsey pretty much as effective as he is. And once you take that away, I mean, his game is pretty much a jump ball and go get it. Um, or just, you know, run across the field and hopefully beat a tight end or you're in zone coverage. But, you know, yeah, no, no, no complete discredit to Travis Kelsey, but he's not going to sit there and say every time he's in the red zone that, that, that tight end screen didn't work well. And I feel in my bones that they're trying to write something up for Tommy Sweeney to maybe pop off in that way. Cause he doesn't have the greatest legs. Um, but he's kind of a reliable guy, you know, strong kid, uh, you know, obviously in the run game, but you are they going to look to, you know, cover him in the pass game? Probably not. So that's some way maybe you can try to utilize him and, you know, get the young guy some confidence, especially while Dawson Knox is hurt. Look, we don't got no trades going on with Evan Ingram as far as I know. 
uh, you know, and so on and so forth with everyone else who's on the market. Uh, you know, Darren Waller, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of big names that, you know, maybe these guys are looking to rebuild and, and restart and, you know, get some first round picks, get second round, third round picks. I don't know. But, uh, well, you know, one of those things I feel like the Bills are looking for, you know, yeah, we need a guy who can basically kind of be a jack of all trades. And that's one of the things that Dawson Knox was really becoming. Given, yeah, it really sh- it really popped off the screen that he was doing a good job, you know, pass catching. But the reality of the situation is that he's the starting tight end for a reason. He can do it all. He can do it all good. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they prioritize, obviously, passing in the Bills' offense. But you see him really show up as far as being able to run those inside zone uh, reads and the RPOs, and he's able to, you know, block and, um, you know, do what he has to do. So now Tommy Sweeney jumps in his shoes, and we're, we're really going to see what the Bills got at the tight end position because I don't think it's much now. Um, I'm hoping that they can figure out something, but, you know, it's going to be a big game. You know, let's talk about Stephon Diggs now. You know, Stephon Diggs, you know, he's one of those guys who's been kind of quiet this season, but, you know, <laughs> he gets those big catches and, uh, you know, just kind of shows up when he needs to show up. Um, still putting those numbers in. Uh, they're not as astronomical as last season, but you're starting to really realize that this is a guy who's very unselfish. He's not a, you know, he's not a drama queen. He's just a guy that's passionate. He wants to win. Kind of reminds me of Michael Jordan. Um, and, you know, he wants to make players around him better. So what is he doing? I feel like he's really, you know, speaking to Coach Dable, like, wait, we need to get, uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders as many opportunities as possible because when we hit the playoffs, this guy's going to need to be my number two. And when I mean my number two, this guy needs to be you know, be able to step in and be number one. Um, and, you know, I feel like that's something that, you know, John Brown wasn't really able to do for the Buffalo Bills as far as, you know, the season prior. Um, you know, the injuries and whatnot. But, you know, just the the effectiveness in the offense. You know, once we get in the red zone, John Brown's nowhere to be found. You know, if we're on the 30, 40-yard line, I mean, yeah, you're looking at cover two. You're probably going to throw that sucker up to John Brown. He's going to get you a touchdown, you know, between the safety and the cornerback. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, what what the Bills are hoping to get is continuity on this offense. That's what I've been noticing is, uh, you know, they're trying to help everyone grow. Um, everyone see an opportunity to, you know, so they can showcase what they can do for the offense at the same time, still put up points, still be effective, you know, still be a top, you know, offense in the NFL, um, top five offense in the NFL. So, you know, at the end of the day, if the Buffalo Bills can just stay there, you know, not give up any fluke losses, they're going to be just fine because right now they're just peachy. All right, so I'm going to give my scoring prediction, and then I'm going to close it out uh, with one last topic in regards to Brady. Oh, God, not Brady again. Yeah, we'll talk about him in a little bit. You know, that game's going to be a huge one coming up in the future. But score prediction, I got the Bills 41-14. Simple as, but that's literally simple as that. Um, when convincingly, they win big. Mitch Trubisky puts up, uh, he puts up a touchdown, maybe 100 yards. No. <laughs> no, I just, I really think that uh, Trubisky's going to get some play time in this game. I think the Bills go 41-14. Uh, maybe 41 zip, but I'm going to say 41, 14, leave it at that. All right. So look, um, I don't think Tennessee's a measuring stick. Okay. I think Brady and the Bucks are the measuring stick. Um, I think when you look at how the Buffalo Bills are built, right, who they are built to beat, they're trying to build themselves to beat the Bucks, Like, you get pressure, 
You, you can play a good cover two defense. You can stop the run. And you can disguise it well on defense. Right? And on the offensive side, you got a guy who can give a stout defensive front and linebacking core trouble. Because here's the thing with Josh Allen. Once he gets past your defensive line and your linebacking core, he's going to win every single time. Whether if it's him rolling out or whether if it's if you throw a blitz at him and he still gets the ball off. You saw that against Tennessee. He was still able to do it. He was not afraid to deliver the football, plant his feet, and throw it around the defender as he was getting charged to the chest. That's what you're going to be dealing with in Tampa. Right? And look, they got great receivers. Do not do not get me wrong. They got great receivers. <laughs> but there's only one football. And if you can force Brady to get out of his first read and then disrupt his second read and basically try to force him into a situation he doesn't want to be in, Brady can't roll out. You stop him. I think Brady went running for the hills as soon as the Bills started getting good. I'm going to call it out. And I think that by the time we face Tampa, we are going to be primed and ready for a historically fun game to watch. Just like the Tennessee game was. And, um, you know, th- I think that game, it- it's so cool. Like, think about it. The Bills were able to <clears throat> measure themselves out from where they were last year. Easily and quickly, right? Um, you know, you lose against Pittsburgh. You need, to, you need to get your crap together, right? Time goes on. You're, you're finally able to face the Chiefs again in Arrowhead. And then you play the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee again. But they weren't far off from winning the Tennessee game. And they convincingly beat the Chiefs. So now there's like, it's one more box to check. And we have a regular season to do it. Bills need to win that game. Yes, they need to. But if it goes down to the wire, just like the Tennessee game, you're still in the pocket. You just can't play against Brady and get destroyed. That's going to be a huge knock to the confidence uh, to the Buffalo Bills morale and what they think the coaching staff is capable of. And yeah, we can make the argument, well, it doesn't really matter too much because, you know, it's an NFC game and whatever have you. This is a team that you can possibly face in the Super Bowl. You need to show up and show out, which I'm not saying they won't, but I am saying that it needs to be taken seriously. And it needs to be the measuring stick of the entire, you know, season. A lot of people are going to be there. A lot of people are wanting to enjoy that game. I think it's going to be a great one. It's going to be one where finally we're going to be able to see, you know, great Josh Allen versus great Brady, great old Brady. I don't know. He kind of looks like he's playing like he's 35 right now. I really don't care how old he is. Um, you know, I'm excited to see that game. I think it's going to be a huge measuring stick. And, you know, Brady is just lighting people up right now. So just be great to see Brady go go up against the number one pass defense in the NFL. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a fun game to watch in the future. Uh, you know, so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you a lot for listening to me rant, um, you know, on this uh, kind of a just just a week we're just ready to get over with I guess you know against the Miami Dolphins we just want the Bills to get back on track we want to see our young guys do well um you know definitely a good stretch right here to take care of that and again this is your host Steve Vega uh signing off on Buff Hub 
a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Have a great rest of your weekend. Stay safe. And to all you veterans out there, um, thank you for your service. Go Bills. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.